Tech Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hi there, welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest news in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, you can hear Tech Radio on air with RTE Friday evenings or anytime you like with your favourite podcasting app from Apple, Google or Spotify. Of course, we keep you bang up to date daily on all things tech with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. My name is Dusty Rhodes. This is episode 842 and joining me as ever is our Tech Central Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson. Niall, it's been an incredibly busy week in tech world. Um, uh, we'll talk about Apple in a second. Uh, Xbox was released on Tuesday and you've had one. Uh, have you yeah. had enough of a play with it and um, whatever to be able to tell us about it later? I'm getting there. Uh, I'm getting there with the Series X, which is the version with the heart, with the uh, optical Ooh, drive. That's um, the one with everything. That's the one with everything. And that will set you back uh, about 500 euro and the cheaper one is the series s which is the online version only uh, and that'll set you back around 300 euro so quite the difference for the benefit of an optical drive uh do, uh-huh. do, you, do you want me to wrap it on about now or will i no talk about no no we'll say we'll save that for later the other thing that i'm actually interested in that's happened this week is that uh, you had a chat with a, a, a tech related chat uh, with a guy that you're very excited about and it's all about hip replacements now, uh, we're, uh, explain yourself. Explain yourself. Well, I mean, the, this is a, an interview that I wasn't sure what to think of going in, but I have a new, re- newfound respect for the field of surgery um, and uh, anyone that would potentially take a, a, mm. a, a chisel and a hammer to our bones in uh, in the name of True. medicine, but from what from what I can gather from what you were saying in in emails and stuff like that, it's not just a chisel and hammer, but there's a, a fair bit of a very heavy technology involved and some artificial intelligence to go with it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grant, listen, listen, we'll get around on. to that. It's, it's fascinating we get, stuff. We get around to that later. Uh, just before we get into Apple, of course, was the big announcement this week, which we're quite excited about, but we also see a dark side to it. Uh, let's uh, get some uh, very quick news stories out of the way. Uh, President Trump. <laughs> uh, 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 not, 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 depending on who you ask. Yeah, well, actually, well, he, no, he is still Officially, he is president, yes, it's, it's until, president until January. Biden is the, is the, <laughs> where the argument is at the moment. Anyways, uh, should he leave office... <laughs> In January, Uh, President Trump, uh, when he leaves office, is going to lose his protection against the Twitter ban. Oh, really? Yes, because Twitter is able to to knock people off its system, but they won't do it for a sitting public official. Right. Okay. Once he's not a public official anymore, bam, gone. Right, and they're going to keep him on anyway. He's good box oh, office. Oh, they have to be. He's so good for business. But I can see them banning uh, uh, what he's saying an awful lot more. But anyway, that was interesting. Uh, Android, if you've got an Android phone, uh, about a third of Android phones in the world are still running a, an operating system uh, at, uh, lower than 7.1. I believe that, yeah. And, and in January, those phones will not be able to work with secure socket layer SSL uh, websites. That's the HTTPS. Oh, mm. that's kind of huge, isn't it? 
Well, well I mean, you can get around that, it. That's you know, a, it's only with the Chrome browser on uh, on Android. You could still use Firefox or something like that. Like, you know, okay, so but you, the fact that this around. is being done at the the operating level system at the operating yeah. system. Well, level. you see, this this is Google pushing everybody to to HTTPS, and I kind of it, it annoys me in a little way because in order to buy a secure cert certificate, it's like thirty quid a year or something like that with, yeah. with Black Knight. Uh, and then, of course, you have to get one for every website that you're uh, operating. And, I mean, it makes things a little bit more secure. And it's great if you're taking credit card payments because you need to be secure. But if you're just running a blog, do you need it? I, I It's, well, it's if, something that's being imposed by Google. And that's it, why I'm getting it. It is a bit. being imposed. So it, mm. it, so it really affects your SEO, whether you have a search or not. Uh, it does have a, a play on that as well. Now, listen, speaking of Google, my third uh, quick story of the week is uh, uh, one of the advantages of Google Drive is that you get unlimited photos. This and is true. The, re- the reason they do unlimited photos is because they suck it into Google and then they compress it. All right. So it's not taking up as, as much space. You'll still keep the, the full quality photo on your phone or whatever device it was in, in, in the first place. Uh, but Google, Google will keep a compressed version on their uh, website. And because of that, it's unlimited mm. until today. Mm. And they have announced from uh, next summer that they will not be making that unlimited photos anymore. OK, so they're, they're it, going to introduce a paid tier then. Uh, well, they have a paid tier at the moment. And do you know what, Niall? It's really good value. Okay. I Are think you for using my it g- right now? Uh, I'm not, no, because uh, the, firstly, Google will give you 15 gigs, all right? Right. So if you're just using you know, your Google Drive for photos and they're compressed, you'll get an awful lot into 15 gigs. Mm. Unless, of course, you're putting video up there as well. But if you're just doing photos, you get an awful lot in, into 15 gigs for regular people like you mm. and I. Um, then if you want to bump that up and get like a hundred megs, I think it's like 20 quid a year. Oh, wow. Or 20, a hundred gigs, pardon me. Oh, call the cops. (laughs) (laughs) True. But then again, uh, if you're getting into Dropbox territory and stuff like that, and yeah, and I should be looking it up, but I I won't concentrate on what I'm saying. Uh, I believe Dropbox would charge you in and around a hundred euro a year and you might get a, a... one or two terabytes of data for that. And I think Google do an even better deal for the same money. Yeah, yeah. Although I do like using Dropbox uh, over Google Drive. I find Dropbox works extremely well and I have to agree with you. Uh, I do use Google Drive for backups on, on some stuff. I find there's an app that I can download onto my PC for Google Drive. It's awful. Right. No, but it really is. It's awful. It just seems to slow the entire computer down and it's it's slow and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Drives me nuts. Uh, It's like uh, Facebook. I'm doing a lot more work on Facebook these days. Their interface is appalling. Hmm. Appallingly bad. I started advertising with Facebook with one of our new clients. All right. Uh, And for some reason, Facebook keep invoicing me every time I've spent two euro. Very efficient. Very efficient. And I'm like emailing them going, I'm not going to, you know, kind of ask my accounts girl to be putting in invoices for two euro. Can we bump this up? There's a facility to bump it up to like 50 quid or 100 quid Mm. or whatever. And it just keeps coming back with the message, uh, which is along the lines of can't do that. Not at this moment. So I emailed them twice and said, what's the story? And they went, well, it's this kind of the way it works. It, it'll increase in time. So like your next invoice might be uh, delivered when you spent four euro. And then maybe the next one after that, 60. Oh, for God's sake. Mm. 
Do you know, the difference between using Facebook for scheduling posts and using Hootsuite or something like that for scheduling posts is like night and day. Yeah. Go with a third you know? party. They're more oh. hungry. Oh, goodness, goodness. Anyways, <laughs> let's get in to the good news. Good the news. big story of the week. Hmm. Apple. Now, now, here we go. Were you um, watching? I I watched. I watched, um, again, a very, very slick uh, presentation from Apple Park uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm living without the hooping and the hollering of the, uh, of the assembled press pack. Really? And, uh, I missed it. I missed it. Uh, well, you see, they've had, for my money, I think Apple have had a very strong year for product announcements. I think they've done mm. very well this year. Yeah. Um, after a few years, I don't want to say out in the cold, but a few years of kind of lackluster releases, really, um, that I think they've, they've done very well this year. Um, probably because they haven't talked so much about the likes of um, Apple TV so much. I mean, I'm looking forward to the Foundation TV series, as I'm sure you are as well. But, you know, it's it's kind of fallen into the background so much. And, you know, the IMAX, not so much this year, not hearing an awful lot, because mm. it's all coming down to the move away from Intel chips mm. towards their own silicon uh, Apple Silicon, as they're, as they're calling it. So this week was our first glimpse of PCs using Apple Silicon. And uh, I'm going to put myself in the want category. You are not. I'd, I never said that. Okay, right. <laughs> I never said that. I, I would put myself almost in the drooling category, actually. It's quite exactly. Ex- ex- Complete opposite of what you're expecting. But then you said things got dark. Oh, they will get dark. Oh, my friend, they will get dark. <laughs> okay, okay, right. Let's start with the good stuff then. Because I think our last conversation when it came to the MacBook Air, I was like, this is one of the best machines Apple have put out in oh, years. Yeah. And you said oh, it's one of the worst. Uh, did I? I think so, No, yeah. I didn't. Memories. Did sorry. I? Yeah, oh, 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 whatever. This so, I blow with the wind. Uh, the big announcement anyway on Tuesday, and it was all about, it wasn't even necessarily all about the uh, uh, the laptops and what they're doing, because the laptops themselves haven't really changed. It's still the same form, same screen, same resolution, da 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 da, da, da. So, the, so the hardware hasn't changed. It's what's inside actually has changed, uh, and that is the processor. And as you say, from now, for up until... Uh, Tuesday, Apple Macs and all of their laptops have been using uh, Intel processors. And Apple have decided they've developed their own processor, now, which they use their own processor in the uh, tablets and the phones, the A14. Mm. And now they've developed a processor for their laptops, which they're calling the M1. And the basic thing I can tell you that they said over and over again about the M1 all the way through the presentation is that the M1 is faster and the M1 uses a lot less energy, mm. right? Uh, essentially, what they've done is they you had different uh, processes for different things. So you, you had your CPU, uh, you had your GPU for doing all of your graphics, you had your T, whatever it's called, for, for, for security and so on, and one or two others. And they've taken all of these various processors in your laptop and made them into one, which is called the M1. Mm. And Apple have done what Apple do absolutely brilliantly. And we've both uh, 
acknowledged that in the past and that is they have made the M1 processor specifically for their hardware which will run specifically with their operating system Big Sur. Yes. And because of that they are able to make it faster and uh, less energy. Now less energy equals longer battery life. And I had been saying last week that the fans uh, were a huge issue in Mac Pros for me, all right? Because mm. when they're doing a lot of processing or whatever, they get hot, the fan comes on, it sounds like a bloody airport, all right? Mm. Um, so all of that changed. All of that changed on Tuesday. Everything is now done in one processor. It's an eight-core CPU. It's an eight-core uh, graphics processing unit as well. Uh, and combined with the operating system, which is just out today, Friday, it is super, super fast. How fast? On the MacBook Air, nine times faster than the current model. Mm. Nine times faster. It's like, that's phenomenal. Let that sink in. That's the good stuff. Now, also with the MacBook Air, and this is uh, where it differs from from the Mac Pros, the MacBook Air has no fan. No fan, which I thought when I saw that, I was like, Dusty will love that because it it is the recurring criticism that you have had is how uh, devices manage their heat. Um, And yeah, no fan. It's it's venting just uh, in front of the screen. That's it. And a little heatsink in there. Now, there's something else that all of these things have in common as well, which is just stunning. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But uh, let me go through the, the, the model line. So the MacBook Air, nine times faster. Uh, the MacBook Pros, <laughs> by comparison, not as fast. The MacBook Pro 13 inch will be three times faster than the current model. Yeah. Now, well, the current I mean, model, the MacBook Pro, is, it's, their, it's their muscle machine anyway. Yeah, but uh, the, the, the MacBook Pro is going to be three times faster. What I think is interesting, all right? Um, is that it applies to the 13-inch version, but not the 16-inch version. They're not putting the M1 into the 16-inch uh, yeah. Mac, Mac Pro. Now this, and, this and has... The 16-inch is a deliberately much heavier uh, physically mm. and uh, processing-wise. It's, it's a much more powerful machine. Yeah. Uh, and and But on the market a little bit longer. Have you, I came across something in, mm. in looking at the new Macs because, you know, they, they Silicon is such... Um, a a sea change for Apple, both in terms Mm. of their supplier, but uh, as you said, in terms of performance uh, and battery. So if you bought a MacBook Air in the last six months, how dim must you feel right now? Listen, if you buy any Apple product, right, it's out of date 12 months later. So you're done. This is true. This All right. Okay. And actually, if you bought a MacBook Air or whatever in the last 12 months, it might actually be a blessing, which we'll find out in a few moments time. Ah, which, uh, which, which speaks to your darkness point. So the MacBook Air nine times faster. The MacBook Pro uh, 13 inches, three times faster. The mm. Mac Mini is also going to be three times faster. Uh, that is a hell of a lot. Here's the bit that stunned me the most. Okay. Okay. The big news is that the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, uh, the Mac Mini are all going to be price wise the same. Yeah. Yeah. And and what surprised no me about the MacBook Air is is that that entry level price it's it's just over 1100 euro. Oh my god. And, and not only is it just over 1100 euro it's the same price as the, the current MacBook Air, but you are getting the same processor in that, that MacBook Air as you are getting in the Mac Pro. Mm. Yep. But you're getting in a, in, in, in a smaller form. Will there be much of a difference in performance between the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro? Well, it depends what you want it for. 
as always. No, but that's what I'm saying. They've got the same processor in it. Mm. They've got the same amount of RAM in it. They've got yeah. the same uh, uh, SSD in it. So, you know, with all those old things being equal, will it, will it run at the same speed? That could, that could be a game changer for the MacBook Air. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so all of this is fantastic. And for me, all right, as a, as a content creator uh, doing audio and video and, and photos and graphics and all that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, wow. Because um, believe me, when you're dealing with those big files and stuff like that, as you will know as well, mm. um, you know, kind of it does, it can slow down the computer and time, time is money, baby. Mm. True, true. Especially so, if you're a creative professional. Um, yeah, the MacBook Pro 13 inch. Yep, sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, it does. Uh, and it's sort of if you've dropped over three thousand euro on a 16 inch mm. um, Mac uh, Book Pro last year, which was an you know in context an absolutely excellent machine, bringing back uh, a proper screen size, which is something I really missed from the uh, from the MacBooks. Um, I, I think you know next year's. MacBook Pro 16 inch is going mm. to be a hell of a machine. When they get the M1 in there, I'll be interested yep. to see how Or maybe it'll be the M2. Who knows? However, By here's the here's the bit yeah. that worries me. Okay. <laughs> We've had the bright side, now the dark side. Couple of interesting things missing, all right? Okay. I, I'm kind of surprised that uh, that uh, that Apple may have introduced, but they haven't. You you can't get a touchscreen uh, 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 laptop out of that's, out of that's Apple. never been their thing. They, yeah, they but why don't not? do touch screens. But I, why not? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe like, it's, seriously, why not? Maybe it's processor, time, money, form factor. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the things that they're prioritizing. Yeah, strange. Uh, the other thing uh, that is still kind of a mark against Apple is just the way they do things, uh, is if you want to upgrade the laptop, uh, one of the first upgrades you would do, I mean, RAM is one, but uh, another is your storage. Yeah, both are pretty expensive to upgrade. The the RAM, I think, yeah. is 220 euro to upgrade yeah. from 8 oh, to 16 gigs. Doing anything via Apple is ridiculously expensive. But what mm. you were able to do, at least with the older Macs, is like the older Macs would have a, a, an old-fashioned uh, hard drive in mm. it, and at least you were able to upgrade it to an SSD. You can't even do that now in one of the more modern yeah. Mac books. Well, because I, I if upgraded it's got- my uh, 15-inch 2007 MacBook Pro 15-inch to mm. uh, an SSD um, a couple of years ago. And difference? I have to say, uh, no. <laughs> no, no difference. And, and it was a process to get through it. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, my I goodness. And no, and no benefit. difference. Oh, no. my goodness. All right. Okay. Um, here's the one that actually kind of worries me the most. All right. Okay. And this is how I use my, my, my MacBook Air more than anything else. Okay. Mm. Uh, I can't see them doing boot camp. Very true. No boot camp means you can't install Windows. Mm. And there are a lot of, you know, and now admittedly, I only know one other person in the world in my immediate circle who is like me and puts Windows onto Mac hardware. And both of us swear by it, all right, because we just say Mac is the best Windows laptop you can get. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, there's always parallels. Um, can you run Windows on a Mac in parallels? Yeah. That's, that's is it the same thing? Yep. Okay, yep. I haven't gone down that route. Okay, well then I'll have a look at that then. Yep. All right, have a look at uh, it. All the thing, all the things that worry me about the uh, Mac. Uh, remember, do you remember Rosetta? Yes. Now we're going way back here with this. We when are. Macs this used is to the run transition between PowerPC and Intel. Exactly. So they ran uh, this uh, kind of translation software, if you like, called Rosetta. And it would enable you to run software from PowerPCs uh, on Intel Macs. 
Well, say hello to Rosetta 2. Rosetta 2. It's so coming. You, you will be able to run your Intel-based uh, apps on, uh, on Apple Silicon. Yes. Right. But this is only an interim measure. Mm. All right. Because uh, it'll last maybe three years and then you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which I think that's kind of what happened with Rosetta 1, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. I, Very like much I say, transition it was a long time software. ago. I, don't don't I think the world actually has changed. Now, just to be a little bit positive about this mm-hmm. in that uh, who buys software anymore? It's all in the cloud. It's all in the cloud. It's all it's all software as a service. It's all subscription based. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, this is a problem with Adobe and this is a problem with, you know, kind of uh, Office because they do uh, stuff for the Mac as well and uh, and Pro Tools and stuff like that. It's their problem. Mm. They need to rewrite their code for the uh, for the end process. And big people like that probably already have. Mm. I'm getting smaller software that uh, I would use on my Mac and already I'm getting emails through to say uh, not compatible yet mm. with the new Big Sur uh, OS. So yeah. don't install it or don't but buy a machine. On the subject of Big Sur and apps, something mm-hmm. uh, that has come across, come along that I speculated about a few years ago when I said that iOS apps, so this was a good few years ago, uh, are becoming as sophisticated as desktop apps. And would the idea be that the future of Mac OS is just to have one OS with people developing apps at the same level of complexity that can work across all devices? And we're getting there. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah. Um, oh. Thanks to uh, Universal Apps uh, developed um, for iOS, Mac, uh, Mac OS, and uh, iPad OS, will all mm. be able to work on Big Sur. And actually, do you know maybe that's uh, where the bonus is? Because one of the reasons I use Windows is for portability. Mm. Because I like to have my Windows. I, I split my MacBook Air between Windows and and Mac, so I use Windows for all of my admin side, and I use the Mac side of it for um, for my creation stuff. Anyway, that's uh, that's me. Listen, final thing on the Mac is that um, I can't wait until these things actually come out and people get their hands on them to see what they're, they're like. It is fantastic that in this M1 chip, they've got the, uh, a built-in eight-core GPU, all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the disadvantage is, is that it won't work with an external GPU. Right. Now, not many people will do this, all right? But if you're doing a lot of video, all right, you will generally have an external graphics card, okay, that you can plug into your Mac and that will do all the heavy lifting and it makes the processing and the image and all that kind of stuff, especially when you're working with video, so much faster, okay? Mm. A lot of people have invested a lot of money into these things because they ain't cheap. Mm. But with the new M1 processor, don't work. So mm. it's progress, it's change, and you know, and uh, I suppose my attitude is you can either, you know, kind of give out about change or you can uh, run screaming towards it. And these days I'm more inclined to do the latter. Oh, can we give a very quick shout out to the new Mac Mini, which is coming in with the with Apple Silicon at under 800 euro. Yeah. And you know, what? it's a lovely bit of kit. I have one of them there and uh, I I didn't use it for too too much. It was just general office PC and then we just use it for playing music. But it's a lovely bit of kit and silent. And silent. Yeah. As well. Well, almost silent. (laughs) So I know big shout out if you're if you're looking for a desktop replacement, it's it's neat and uh, it's well priced. and, And I really don't have a bad thing to say about it. All right. Now, let's talk about the opposite of Apple, which is. 
Microsoft. Microsoft. Yeah. And another big release from them. It wasn't an announcement, it was an actual release. The Xbox uh, Series X is now in the world. Yeah, it's now if in the world. If you've pre-ordered, and, uh, it's there. Yeah, well, you know, it's out in the world and, you know, if you've pre-ordered, it's still not even a guarantee that you're going to get one. But uh, it is it is out. It is loud and proud. I have been playing with Series X, as I've said. Um, and thus far, I am super impressed with it. Um, wow. Super, super impressed. Um, also, however, it is I'm super impressed in the context of having uh, Game Pass, which is sort of the Netflix of Xbox games but you know microsoft compatible games in in general um and uh, i have been playing a pretty old game at this stage called tell me why um it's not exactly taxing the uh, the series x's um uh, <laughs> capabilities just yet um but uh, you know there's a couple of titles i'm looking forward to catching up on and there's a few uh, new release titles that i'm going to get stuck into as well the new nba game i just got the uh, release code for so mm. um, and there's a version of minecraft there as well and uh, a few other usual suspects to dig into but um thus far yep i can it's it's a machine that you will probably be hanging on to for the next 10 years uh, as a flagship it certainly seems to be working i mm. haven't had the opportunity to do a face-off between it and the playstation 5 to be honest it will probably come down to the catalog of games because there's so little between the consoles in technical terms. So it will come down to the titles as usual. Um, I'm, you know, I had uh, I had an Xbox 360 for a long time, really enjoyed it. Had a PlayStation 4 for a while, didn't enjoy it as much. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm back on Team Xbox for the moment. You like it, Tim? What do you think of the design? Because they've gone for this tower design this time around. Yeah, it's very Aesthetic unusual. Aesthetic pleasing? tower design and the fan is right up the top blowing you know lovely hot air at you um and yeah it is it is a big machine in a few years time if if they happen to release a slimmer version i would not be surprised uh at all or if if they decided to phase out the version with the with the uh, optical drive again i would not be surprised if if they did that Mm. Um, so uh, yeah it is it is a bit of a beast um, I, the Series S, I guess, would, would sort of so- solve that particular problem because um, it is uh, uh, that little bit smaller. And of course, you know, do you want, do you want, is it really worth 200 euro to, uh, to go for an optical drive? That's a question you, you have to ask yourself. Is there, is there no difference in spec, like with the processor and the hard drive and et cetera, oh, same et cetera? Thing. Same thing. Same thing, really? Yeah. So it's just for an optical drive Basically. is next to 200 quid? Yeah. Do you get a, a extra credit or anything like that with the Games Pass? Or well, well, Games Pass Games Pass is a beast unto itself. Uh, All right, okay. I was, right, I was right, right, to right, get right. A, a first look at it. Okay, listen. Let, let me let me wrap up then by asking you about uh, marks out of ten then for the Xbox. It's a bit early in the day because when it comes to any console, the first releases are always going to be. Um, actually, I, I have to um, uh, round down there. There's actually slightly less storage on the Series uh, S. Yes, so a little okay, bit yeah. cheaper, but no optical drive and slightly less storage. Um, okay. But, uh, what? yeah, the first wave of titles will never test um, the hardware properly. It's when you get a few, few years into it and you're really looking to stretch what the system can do then you really sort of get going with okay mm. now now we're we're really seeing uh, what can be done what the real potential is mm. uh, yeah 
just like with when Apple or any other company, when they release the first wave of something, it's very much sort of, okay, there's the innovation. What will people actually do with it that yeah. matters? Like the M1 processor, don't be buying a laptop now, wait until next year. Well, that, yeah. that is the but Apple listen, code. Uh, let me back, because I want to know whether you would, because you're a gamer, okay, and you do enjoy mm-hmm. your games. So uh, would you reckon that uh, Xbox, is this the kind of thing you should be pressuring a loved one to invest in on your behalf at Christmas? Hmm. In this economy? Is it worth 300 quid? <laughs> Well, what if uh, they have 300 quid if they want to spoil you if it's yeah, the last 300 if, quid but you're worth it is it is it worth it if 300 quid is the price of domestic harmony during lockdown I think it's money well spent I think any money spent on domestic harmony <laughs> and on that note no, thank you very much for keeping us up to date this is Tech Central your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie now, if you are squeamish, then maybe this week's interview is not for you. It's all to do with an operation that you're no doubt familiar with, but maybe you don't know or don't want to know the finer details of it. We've all known somebody who has had a hip replacement. Quite a common procedure, but also one that requires a lot of skill and intuition on the part of the surgeon and the medical team. Daniel Reardon is head of the Department of Engineering at IT Tralee and a researcher with Lero, the Irish Software Research Centre. He's been working on a way to use artificial intelligence to take the guesswork out of joint replacement. And he explained it all to Niall Kitson. I suppose before we start getting into the ins and outs of how to use AI in the process of hip replacement, it's kind of important to get a sense of the process of the operation as it is at the moment. And it's kind of not for the squeamish, I think it's fair to say. That's right. I suppose some people might say it's a fairly gruesome process. Um, I'll go through it very quickly, not going into terrible detail. Um, The first stage, I suppose, is you take the femur, and if you can imagine the femur, the the thigh bone, a long bone beginning at the knee going right up to the hip joint and at the top at the hip joint I suppose there's a ball joint there's a ball sitting on top if you can imagine that the first step of the um, the, hip, the hip replacement process they make an incision um, they cut off the ball joint because that's what needs to be replaced also maybe the, the socket which it fits into but we'll just deal with the ball joint today um, that's cut off uh, and then I suppose you can see the top of the femur and the the femoral canal, which is where the bone marrow sits in the middle. What they're going to replace is the ball joint. And that, I suppose, isn't just glued onto the top, but it's stabilized uh, with a spike that goes down the canal in the center of the bone. That, there's a few ways of inserting that, but the the one that's favored by the surgeons that I'm working with is a friction fit. So they want the the spike to press up against the hard outer bone from the inside. But that canal is full of marrow, soft, spongy substance. So that must be removed first. And that's removed using a rasp. So a, a spike that's it's hammered down, um, hammered down the centre, uh, and then it's pulled out. And that brings the, the, the marrow out with it. Uh, and the rasps get bigger until they form a tight fit. The problem is, I suppose, how do you know it's a tight fit? And this is something that a surgeon learns over time. And they mostly go by the sound and the feel they're experiencing from hammering. Um, you might say it's similar to hammering a nail 
through a piece of wood into concrete. It's hard to describe the exact change in the feel and the sound that you'd you'd experience when the nail goes through the wood and starts hitting concrete. And but you'd know what's happening. It's quite hard to describe, but you know from experience, I'm no longer hammering through the wood, I'm now through the nail. And it's similar, they're hammering the rasp through the marrow and eventually they get to the outer bone. Um, the problem, problem arises if they don't notice that change. They don't notice the change, they may keep hammering, um, which could split the bone. It happens very, very rarely, but it does happen. So it's important they know when the rasp is inserted correctly and the, mar the marrow has been removed and then they hammer in the, the replacement joint. So, you know, it's not nearly as scientific as one would expect when, when you're talking about surgery, that it does come down to basic things like sound and feel, um, uh, sound and touch. Um, so I guess that creates an enormous space for automation and the use of artificial intelligence to enter to start to create a, a little bit more certainty into the process, especially considering that, you know, we're all different. We've all had life experiences. You know, our, our bones are not all in the, the same sort of nick. So it's it's kind of it's it's a massive area to open up into. Yeah, I suppose one of the first reasons um, this this came up from from the surgeon we're working with, um, Mr. John Rice in the, in the Bonds Hospital in Tralee. Um, he would do a lot of training of people. And he said, well, I have to stand with people for a long time with, with surgeons that are being trained and stand with them to make sure that they, they recognize uh, when is the right time to stop hammering um, and until they gain the experience themselves. So that means there's two surgeons operating. You know, it's a long, long training process. Um, if there was some type of a, if you want to put it basically, a traffic light system with a green for a keep hammering, orange to say you're getting there and red saying, never hammer again, you're, you're right at the point of it, um, that'd be very helpful. Um, also, different things go on during operations. You're not just focusing on one thing. You're also focusing on the patient's vital signs, everything else that's going on in the room. There's a lot of people in, a, in an operating theater monitoring everything that's going on with the patient, making sure everything about the patient is, is doing well, not just the, the hip, but there's all types of vital signs that must be monitored. So there's a lot going on. So it can be easy to get distracted. And I suppose the idea, the initial idea was, can we have something to help as an assistance to, to surgeons? But over time, we've, we've seen that a lot of um, operations are now going robotic. It's at the very early stages. And we're, we're talking about maybe 20 years time before a hip operation would be done completely by robotics um, autonomously. But when that comes about, that robot will definitely need to know when to stop hammering when they have to keep hammering. So the sort of the data or the technology underlying what you're working on at the moment is based on digital signal processing. So tell us a little bit about how that works. It is, I suppose digital signal processing is about, first of all, it's sound waves is the main thing we're working on. The reason we're going with sound waves, um, we could work with, uh, with vibrations, um, but all of those things would require putting sensors onto the patient. That adds to chances of infection and, and all that kind of thing. So we're going with the signals that are produced from the ambient noise in the room, the hammering sound. Um, so we're processing that signal and breaking it down into its, its components. I suppose its frequency components and its temporal components and the events that are happening in that signal. 
and we'll feed all, all of that information into an artificial intelligence system. Um, it'll be driven by a type of recommender system, which makes a recommendation, how much more hammering is needed, um, or maybe you should stop. That must um, introduce an interesting problem if you're working with ambient noise. How do you control the rest of uh, the noise in the theatre? Is, is that something you've come across? It is, yes. Um, it is one of the many problems that, that we're trying to address. And I suppose that's why Science Foundation Ireland funded it, because it's a difficult problem and it poses a lot of scientific problems, not just for this particular application, but in general, how the, the human ear and the human auditory cortex identifies and can focus on particular sounds and ignore other sounds in a room. We all do it. There's a loud noise, but if you can focus, you can pick out and monitor a particular noise, somebody speaking in a a loud room. And that's something the brain does by filtering and masking and and these techniques that go on in the ordinary cortex. Um, We know these happen, but sometimes we don't know exactly how they're happening. Um, And that's kind of where artificial intelligence comes in. Um, artificial intelligence in, in, in software realm, it learns itself. And we don't necessarily know how the computer is learning. We just know it's learning. Some people see it as a black box. We put in inputs, we tell it what's supposed to happen, and over time it learns what, what is happening. But we don't know exactly how it's learning or what it's learning. We can test it um, and a lot of testing goes into it to make sure it's learned something correctly. But we don't know exactly how it's learned it. Um, and that's why artificial intelligence is important here. Writing a software program is like a series of instructions and rules. We tell computers exactly what we want them to do, and they do it. When you don't know exactly what you're doing, um, not that a surgeon doesn't know exactly what they're doing, they do, but they would find it very hard to put the change in sound and the change in feel coming from the rasp and the hammer, they find that hard to put it into a series of hard and fast steps and rules, especially when you're talking about uh, the variety in patients that you can um, you can come across. So you have everybody from a, maybe a young person who's been very involved in sport all their life, um, having, say, worn down hip joints, all the way to, to very old people. And you can imagine a a strong, fit young person has a very different makeup of bone to uh, an elderly, weaker person. They may have a lot of flesh around the, the joint. They may have muscle. Uh, they may have large amounts of fat around the joint. They may have very atrophied muscles. And all these will change the, the sound that's being made and also how the, how the marrow and the bone react to being impacted upon. So one thing when we're introducing a new tool, uh, it augments the person's skill set in particular, the, in this case, the surgeon. How do you manage to integrate a new technology into someone's skill set, particularly uh, a, a procedure that they, they might feel quite comfortable or have achieved a certain level of expertise in? So what kind of feedback have you been getting from medical professionals uh, with this project? Is it a case of, yep, that's grand. It's it's great to have additional feedback to know exactly where I am in that hammering process. Or do you know what? I, I know my own business. I don't need this sort of additional prompt. From the surgeons we've been working with, yeah. they've all been very positive about it. Now, this is at a very early stage. We're still at the at the data gathering and um, very initial 
uh, testing and, and development stage, um, this, this it will be years before this will be deployed, um, specifically because it's a, it will be a medical device. It will be categorised as, as a medical device and the amount of, of testing and, and um, that this would, would have to go through before it's supply, deployed is, is years worth. Um, but the surgeons we have been speaking to and the surgeons that are, are helping with this project, um, they're all very positive about this. Um, they, everybody who, who, who does these hip replacement operations, they've all had situations where, you know, they're, they're, they, that maybe they can't hear correctly, maybe something has distracted them, and an extra tool just to double check, um, they'd be very happy with that. And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Daniel Reardon, head of the Department of Engineering at IT Tralee and a researcher with Lero, the Irish Software Research Centre. That's it for our show for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie. And of course you can listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time for myself, Dusty Rhodes, thank you so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.